It's, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It didn't say love, miserable. You know, Christians, you ever see the miserable Christians? They don't smile, they don't laugh, and they think they're holy then? There's nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. He's a joyful person. The Holy Spirit's a very joyful person. Do you know why? Because every day of the year, someone is getting saved. So there's joy on the earth every day, and there's joy in heaven every day. So God is a joyful God, amen? We're going to get Sheridan to dance and all at the end. Hallelujah. Do I hear an amen? Oh, hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. You know, I was a miserable sinner, but I'm a joyful Christian, amen? You know, sin weighs you down, but God gives you joy. Hallelujah. Amen? Are you all ready for a Holy Ghost moment, yeah? Praise God. Okay, let's, let's go. We're going to look at a passage, and I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to take it from a different angle. And uh, can we have that? Great. I'm going to take it from a different angle. You may not agree with me theologically, but that's okay. Um, I'm going to show you something probably that you haven't seen before. So turn me to Luke chapter 15. And Luke, my man, is up there. Praise God. Okay, Luke chapter 15, verse, um, let me get it, verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, listen to what he says, When he has found he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Praise God. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 just persons who need no repentance. Wow. Praise God. Wow. We all know that this text, well, most of us should know this text. But here's the thing, right? This text always talks about the 99 and the one. Always has that, you know, I've heard this preached on a million times go after, go after, go after and I, I get that, I see that but I want to take it from a different position tonight because I want to challenge your mission statement, is that okay? Whenever, wherever wow do you know that's an evangelistic statement? that's an evangelistic statement? that's not just you know, a, any ordinary mission statement, that's an, actually an evangelism statement, whenever, wherever be like Jesus, that's why when we Go to restaurants, coffee shops, we're inviting people to church because whenever, wherever, be like Jesus. But here's the thing. What if that shepherd never went after the one? What if he said, I've got 99, I don't need 100? What if he had stayed home that day and said, you know what? Sure, only losing one is not bad out of a hundred. What if he would have left that little sheep out in the field somewhere, left him vulnerable? Left him all alone? Decided, you know what? I'm a bit tired today. I'm not going after that one. What if he said that day, well, you know what he deserves? He, he went off there, so he deserves it. 
What if he sat that day and said, you know what? You know, let him have what he deserves. Often the church is like that. What if he just said, you know what? You know, I don't really need, I don't need the pressure. I don't need the aggravation. And you know, I'm not going out onto that field because it's probably going to rain. It's probably going to get cold. And, you know, I'm not going to bother really. What if? What if? Let's take the sheep. You know, sheep are a pretty dumb animal. animal. I think Sheridan wants to get a couple for his grass. They're a very soft animal. They're actually a nice animal. Can you imagine being left in a field on your own? Nobody caring about you. Nobody interested in you. Nobody even bothering, even thinking about you. Imagine that night when that sheep went out of the pen, stupidly made a mistake or did something wrong and just decided in his head, I better leave the fold because I'm causing problems and I'm not living up to the Christian standard. I'm doing things that I shouldn't do. I say things that I shouldn't say and I'm thinking things that I shouldn't do. So it's probably best if I leave the fold. I don't belong here anymore. You know, I meet all the time, all the time, prodigals, all the time. I know more people that have backslidden than more people that go to church. And they tell me the reasons. And, I, and the reasons are genuine reasons. I have a brother that has led more people to Jesus than anyone I know. He's led hundreds to thousands to Christ. And he won't go to church anymore. His kids don't go to church. My brother that died a few years ago, his wife won't go to church. His kids won't go to church. They're into crack cocaine and involved in all types of rubbish and often the church never even bothers to ask about them because often when that's in that actually picture the scenario the 99 actually from a theological point of view were the 99 religious the Pharisees they were happy with their little group they were comfortable with their little setting they didn't want to be bothered they didn't want to be challenged they didn't want to be disgruntled they just wanted to have a nice time every Sunday morning, feel a little bit fed, go out that door feeling wow, pumped up and ready for a week. And yet all the while there's those ones and twos that drift off into the distance and we often don't even look that direction. We don't even bother to look that direction. What if that shepherd that day was thinking to himself, you know what, I'm going to stay with the 99 religious at least we have a bit of a party and we'll have a good time and we'll sit down, relax and have a cup of coffee and maybe even have a cigarette. I'm not going to bother today. What if, and get this, what if the person that led you to Jesus decided before he went to you and asked you to come to church, what if, if that individual hadn't bothered ever to invite you to, to church? What if that person had stopped praying for you what if, if that individual decided rather than knocking on your door, sending you a text, sending you an email, giving you a phone call, what if that person hadn't bothered their backside, ever been interested in your mess and your situation? Where would you be today? What if?
the person that led me to Christ doesn't even go to church. I thank God that he didn't decide to stay home. I thank God he banged on my door. That was my own brother. Banged on my door 24-7, constantly at me, aggravating me, upsetting me, annoying me, challenging me, constantly, constantly asking me to come to church. What if he had never done that? Where would I be today? Where would you be today? Where would you be if that person decided, that individual or that group of people or that church decided, you know what, we're not going to bother with you. You're a bit of hard work, actually. And actually, we've asked you once and you haven't said yes. So, you know what, it's best if we don't ask you again. What if? There are so many vulnerable sheep out there. There are so many prodigals out there, like Jordan. Kids that, for some reason, mess up, screw up, and stop going to church. And often we forget about them. Often, if we see them in the street, we almost walk across the street and walk in a different direction. It's challenging, isn't it? Whenever, wherever. Be like Jesus. You see that the shepherd shows us what Jesus is really like. Jesus wasn't a religious individual. Jesus wasn't interested in those who were saved. Jesus was interested in those who were lost. Those who were vulnerable, those who were full of fear, those who were oppressed and depressed, those who take drugs every day, alcohol, those who are in chronic situations. Jesus' heart is always and will always be for those who are outside the four walls of a church. Whenever, wherever. Activate whenever. Where, how do you activate whenever, wherever? You activate it by stepping out of your comfort zone. And rather than having the what if, if you don't go, rather than saying that you have the heart of the shepherd. Your church is to be a soul winning church. I prophesy that to you leaders. You leaders have to get out of your comfort zones. And start looking for those who are outside the four walls that you can reach into their world. And just like the shepherd, bring them home. Bring these kids home. The prodigal sons and daughters that won't go to the house of God rather than waiting for them to come here. You have to go there. The shepherd didn't stay with the 99. He left them that day because he wasn't going to stand with the what if. He was going to go beyond what if and go after that individual. Knowing, not knowing really where they were, but willing to go and try and find them. The church today is more interested in chandeliers, nice lights, nice coffee, nice tea. They are not interested in the unchurch anymore. The lost are not even mentioned anymore. We don't talk about the lost anymore because we're comfortable with our own grouping. What if that person had never invited you to church? What if you had never been saved? What if you had never known the blessing of God in your life? What if you had never been touched by God? What if God had never restored your life? Where would you be today? But somebody had the heart of the shepherd. Somebody was willing to step beyond their comfort zone and bang on your door and challenge you to come to the house of God. 
What if we stop going? What if the church dies and stops going after the lost? We will just be a group of religious nutcases and nobody will be interested in us. But Jesus shows us in the parable the heart of God, the heart of the Father, the heart of, of the love of God to go after those who are lost and vulnerable and broken, who are sad and oppressed and depressed, who are sick of spirit and mind and even physically God is asking the church to wake up again and carry the message of the gospel to a broken and lost world. Hallelujah. What if you stop praying? What if you stop interceding? What if you don't go to the house of God on a Tuesday praying for your sons and your daughters who used to sit in Sunday school? What if? It's too late when we stand at the side of a graveyard and you bury them. It's too late then. My young, my, 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 my nephew won't come outside the house He's 19 years of age. He's a, he's a weed, chronic weed taker. The church has stopped even banging on the door. The church has not even asked how this kid is. They'd rather be on their own having a nice time. Jesus said that none shall perish. Nobody. Not one. Not one individual. What if we stop looking out to them? What if we stop going after them? You know, evangelism is the lowest ministry or the less likely attended ministry on the planet. We'll concentrate on youth ministry. We'll concentrate on children's ministry. We'll concentrate on worship ministry. We'll concentrate on the preaching of the word. We'll concentrate on every other area except evangelism. Now let me show you something. Once you remove evangelism from the house of God, you stop being outward focused and you start to be inward focused. You lose what Christ came to the earth for. You lose why he died on the cross. You lose the whole essence of what this is all about. This is all about the lost. This is all about the vulnerable. This is all about those who left the fold. They used to be part of the fold. Do you remember those kids that you knew that used to worship? Remember those people that used to prophesy in the name of Jesus? Remember those people that used to play worship in the worship team? Where are they now? Where have they gone? You see, if we don't even look, we don't even have a conversation about them, we don't even pray for them, what will happen to them? Where will they end up? What will their life end up with? I often say to my church, don't, don't come and ask me to pray for your kid when you won't attend the prayer meeting. It's too late when they walk through the door when they have a drug problem or a sex problem or some level of problems. It's too late then to start praying. See, what I love about this story is the minute the, 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 the sheep had gone missing, the shepherd went looking. The minute. He said, I better go. I better leave them. I better go after them. You know why he said that? Because he knew that sheep was in danger. He knew that sheep was vulnerable. He knew that sheep was fearful. 
You knew that little sheep was in a bad situation. Maybe that little sheep had a broken leg. I want to show you something tonight. When he found that sheep, he carried him home. He carried him home. He said, I'm going to bring him home. He picked him up, he put him on his shoulder, and he walked knowing that the victory had been won, that he had rescued him from the wolves and the savages out there. He'd rescued him from the drug dealers. He'd rescued him from pawn shops. He'd rescued him from everything that comes against the house of God. He rescued him. And he said, I won't bother staying at home. I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to capture them. I'm going to pull them from hell and bring them back to the house of God. I'm going to rescue them and I'm going to rejoice in the fact that what was meant for evil, God has turned to good. Hallelujah. That's the heart of God that has always been and always will be the heart of God. That should be the heart of every church on the planet. But sadly today, that is not the heartbeat of the church in our modern age. We are run driven by perfection. We are driven by excellence. We are driven by chandeliers and coffee shops. But we are not driven to reach the lost and change a broken world. And we are the church. I thank God my brother never stopped challenging me. I thank God he was constantly saying, you need to get saved. The life you live is going to break you, mess you up. I thank God he knocked on my door. I thank God he led me to Christ on a, on a Sunday afternoon in Dublin City. I lay on my knees and gave my heart to Christ because I was a lost and broken individual. But he reached out and he kept reaching out and he kept reaching out. And then he brought me home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to bring them home, friend. It's time to bring the Jordans and all those kids out there. Bring them home. It's time to bring them home. Bring them home. That they walk through the doors and we are rejoicing like they should. That's why there should be great joy in the house of God. That's when the house begins to be joyful. When there's baptism after baptism after baptism. Because people are getting saved every single week. But we need to go and get them. We can't wait for them to come because they're probably not going to come, but we need to go. The Holy Spirit always wants to go. Always is looking. Always is searching. Always advancing to win them and search for them and pull them out. Hallelujah. Many years ago, I was in India. God told me to go to India and bring 11 girls over brothel. I remember that night. I'll never forget it. Went into the red light district area, paid the money, walked out with these 11 girls that had been enslaved to prostitution for years. And that night we had a celebration party on the top of a roof. And I didn't know, but they all had doves in their hands. And they said, pray, pastor, for these girls. One was 20, one was 22, one was 24. They'd been in there since they were 10. So I prayed, and I didn't realize, but they all had white doves. And when I prayed, I said, Jesus, thank you for liberating them. They threw the doves in the air, and the doves circled for 10 minutes, and God spoke to me. He said, see that? That's the Holy Spirit. 
Because the dove is a sign of the Holy Spirit. He's circling them. He's rejoicing with them. He's celebrating with them. That which was bound is now free. That which was captive is liberated. And a young girl asked me, she was 22, she said, in a, with a translation, she said, why did you come and rescue me? I said, God saw your pain and spoke to me in Dublin City to come and rescue you from your bondage. What if I'd actually not bothered to hear what God was telling me to do? What if I'd ignored the voice of God? What if I'd said, that's going to cost me too much financially. It's going to cost me too much with, with spiritual stuff. At that point, I had two small children. It was the least and the last place I should have gone to. Do you know what I did? I had 2,000 euro to my name. We were just married. 2,000 euros. That's all we had. And God told me and my wife said, put all that money and go and rescue the girls. Money started to come through my door, through envelopes. People that didn't even know me were sending me money to rescue these kids. And I remember when I walked in, I walked out, I looked into the brawl owner's eyes, I looked into the devil himself, and I said, you will not hold these people because Christ has come to liberate them. And I remember sitting with those kids. I remember looking at their face of liberation, really, really realizing in John chapter 15, that's what Christ was talking about. Stop being in your comfort place and go to the lost and rescue them and bring them home and bring all your friends and show them what God can do. Hallelujah. That's what God can do when you're willing to get out of your comfort zones. You know what? The Holy Spirit will only be activated when you walk in faith, friend. Don't wait for the miracle. Operate and activate the miracle to be your reality, friend. We're all waiting on miracles. Miracles have to be activated through faith. This church is going to be a soul-winning church. We don't want any more transfers. We want the lost coming home. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. What if I hadn't bothered? What if I, I hadn't bothered when I, many drug addicts have come to me and I've led them to the Christ and brought them to rehabs? What if I hadn't bothered and said, you know what? You've got too much problems. Get out of my life. I'm not interested in your life. I'll tell you why. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you something about my life. To this day, 26 years later, I still know where I was 26 years ago and I understand the grace of God and the goodness of God and the mercy of God. I fully understand it more now than I've ever understood it in 26 years. I understand the grace of God and the goodness of God. I understand that he, he came after me when I didn't even know him. The Bible says even when you didn't know him, he was coming after you. But here's the thing, friend. He wants to use you to go after those who don't know him. He wants to use you to go after those that used to sit in those pews and put their hands to Christ. He wants to use you as the eyes and the ears and the mouth and the legs and the arms to win those who are lost and broken. But here's the challenge. What if you won't go? What if you sit home? What if you just stay? It's too hard, Lord. Ask Johnny. Ask Reese, he's a better bloke to me. What if? What if? 
We're living in a broken world, friends. We're living tragic days. Kids snorting cocaine, kids watching porn 24 hours a day, kids messed up, screwed up, lost, broken. I hear all the time in Dublin City, oh, this church is grown, that church is grown. I asked the pastor one day, oh, he's got the biggest church in Dublin City. I said, many people have come to Christ right, recently. Uh, not many. I said, how come your church is so full? I said, it's all transfers. I said, really? So your church is not grown then, is it? My church isn't grown because we're, we're not seeing people getting saved. The purpose of the church on the earth is to win the lost. It's as simple as that. I love Holy Ghost meetings. Listen, I love it. But the reason for the Holy Ghost meeting is to energize you and to throw you and push you to go after the lost. You may say, Jen, he's a bit challenging. Uh, you may say to Sharon tomorrow, don't bring him back next year. It's all right with me. Hallelujah. But I'm putting, I'm putting responsibility on you tonight to go after the lost of Hamilton City. Whenever, wherever. Be like Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus was determined to sit with a prostitute. Jesus was determined to sit with lowlife. Jesus was determined to sit with broken people. Jesus was determined to sit with those who even were found in adultery. Jesus was determined to not bother his backside even talking to a religious headcase. He wasn't interested in those people. He was interested in lost, broken humanity. And the reason he wrote these words and said these words in John chapter 15, you go through John chapter 15, he talks about the prodigal son, he talks about the vulnerable sheep, and he talks about the lost kind, which is those who have no voice and, that, and that, that, that are locked away in houses every single day that we never hear about. That's who he is going after. And let me tell you, the greatest revival that's going to hit the earth is about the lost. Revival is about shaking us up, waking us up to go and reach those who are lost and broken. But here's the thing. What if you don't bother? Let me just tell you this, right? And God said, showed me this recently. What if you don't bother? What if you don't bother? We're going to lose a generation. If we don't bother, we're going to lose that generation. Well, do you know something? I said to my wife recently, from this day to the end of my life, I will tell everybody on this earth about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I will reach out to those kids. All they can tell me is to F off. All they can tell me is to mind my own business. I don't really care anymore. I've got one life to live. I'm nearly 50 years of age. I've got max 30 years on this planet left, probably a bit more. And from this day to the day I breathe my last breath, I will tell every single individual about the love of Jesus and the power of his gospel. I am determined to have the heart of a shepherd. I'm determined to go after him. I'm determined to find him. I'm determined to seek him. I'm determined to open the door and kick open the door and push open the door until I reach him. That's why when I go into supermarkets, to coffee shops, 
to restaurants, to hotels. I don't care what color they are, what language they speak. They will hear the message of Jesus Christ because I am fully aware today of the power of His message. It rescued me. It changed me. It transformed me. It healed me. It liberated me. So therefore, I am the message to a lost world today. Fred, your testimony is the story of redemption and the world needs to hear the story of redemption again. The world needs to hear the story of the great redemption, the power of His redemption, the grace of His redemption, the liberation of His redemption. That's what the world needs to hear again. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And everyone in this room has a story to tell. You have a testimony to give. You have a mouth that He gave you. You have a tongue that He's put in you. He wants you to bring life to a lifeless world. He wants you to speak to death and see it being raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That's the Christ I know. That's the power of His message I know. That's the reality of His word, friend. He wants to use your mouth. He wants to use your eyes, your feet, your arms, your head. Every part of you He wants to use to go after them, to rescue them and bring them home. Bring them home. Bring them in and call our friends and say, look what God has done. Look what God can do. Bring them in. But what if, what if we don't go? What if we stay home? What if we just get together every Sunday and have a little campfire? What if, what will happen to them? Where will they end up? How will their lives work out? You are blessed. You are blessed. I am blessed. I've got a lovely home. I've got three lovely children. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got everything that God has given to me. But he that has given much, much is expected. That's why in airplanes and airports, I'm constantly looking out to reach someone for Christ. People say to me, but you've got a good personality. That's a bunch of rubbish. I've just got a big mouth. And you all say, yeah. <laughs> he's, boy, he, he's trying to get a little dagger in there it's okay when he sleeps it, I'll stand over his bed and say you naughty boy I'll be laying hands on his head boom boom he'll wake up with a, a handprint in his head thinking, what happened to me John last night <laughs> hallelujah you think this mad, Irish man is mad I am mad I'm mad for Jesus hallelujah Hallelujah. Right, we're closing now, and then we're going to let the Holy Ghost do his thing. But I challenge you, Ray. Reach the business world, my brother. I challenge you, Pam. Reach into every home in your community. I challenge this couple. You are called to reach a lost and broken world. You reach the sons and daughters. Let me tell you something. You reach those that you don't know. God will reach your son and bring him back to the house of God old people you may not be able to walk pray get together ask God to do something significant in Hamilton City don't just expect or accept the norm ask God to do something supernatural ask God to revolutionize this young group that they're the most powerful youth group in all of New Zealand 
We're talking reality here. God can do it. God has done it in past ages. In every, I've read every revival. All He looks for is individuals who are willing to pay the price for Christ. Hallelujah. We don't preach this stuff anymore. We're terrified to preach it. Sacrifice. We don't even mention the word in the house of God anymore. Fasting. What's that word? That's a terrible word. Prayer. Oh, let's not go to the prayer meeting. One hour a week. We can't even get them to one hour a week prayer meeting. And then we're expecting revival. Leonard Ravenhill used to have a prayer meeting every single day when he was in London. Every single day he had a prayer meeting in his church. And that's why hundreds and thousands were getting saved. You young people, stop this prayer meeting for 10 minutes. Stop praying for 10 minutes. Start praying for an hour every day. Fast one day a week for your friend, for your neighbor. For something that you don't even know that you walked in the street. Share the gospel. Share the good news. What do we have to lose? Like, seriously, what can we lose? We've nothing to lose. But we've so much to gain. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for giving me the freedom. Isn't God good? Let this church not be the what-if church. But let it be the whenever, wherever. Bringing people home. Bringing them home. I see them. I see them coming through the door. In my spirit, I see them coming. I see them coming. You're carrying them in spiritually. You're pregnated with them in intercession the birth of, of, of intercession is coming. You're pregnated in the spirit. You begin to travail before God. And God begins to awaken you up in the middle of the night. And you begin to pray for your neighbor and your friend and your uncle and your granny and your grandfather that doesn't know Christ. All of a sudden, you're impregnated by God and you can't understand. You're weeping. You're walking in the street. You're weeping, walking down the road thinking, why am I crying? And all of a sudden, you feel the travail of heaven on your spirit. And then you realize that you're praying for the lost, of broken world. Hallelujah. And then you start carrying them one by one. Yes, come on. I carry in. They're limping through the house. They're broken. They're shattered. They can't even walk. But you're carrying them in. And you bring them to Christ. And you watch as he restores them. As he heals them. As he frees them. And they begin to get up. And they begin to reach. And they begin to pray. And they begin to rejoice. The drug addict is saved. The heroin the addict is saved. The alcoholic problem is gone. And all of a sudden there's liberation right across the city of Hamilton. And all of a sudden the power of God hits this church and it explodes and everyone in every vicinity in every community hears about God is doing something in Hamilton. Hallelujah. And the air tears, the sound of heaven is operating and moving across, across New Zealand and something is happening right across the earth. God is moving again. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you're on the brink of something supernatural in this place. I'm not preaching from a te- I don't even have a note tonight. God is speaking through me for you to grab your hold of your heart and say, come on church. Come on, activate church. Come on, we can reach them. We can see the city change by the power of God. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, worship him. Oh, hallelujah.